And for the seventh time in film history, we have a new Batman, the Cape Crusader, the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight. The Batman arrives this week, and we have everything you need to know. What are we looking for in the story, the action, the production, breaking down every single character? And we answer your questions with Barstool Sports' Robbie Fox. Time cones get you there. Let's get it. I'm vengeance. Welcome in to the primer episode for The Batman. Liam, The Batman is finally here. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're breaking down everything you need to know about Robert Pattinson and Matt Reed's attempt at the Cape Crusader. I am your co-host. I am vengeance, Matt Rimke, and I am joined by my co-host, content machine, Liam Crowley. Liam, we're here, man. There's a buzz in the air. There's a buzz in the air that only comes around once every couple years, and we're very fortunate to have it twice in the past three months. Spider-Man yeah. No Way Home and The Batman. Very two different, two very different films, excuse me, but they both kind of have retained that feeling of oh man times are about to change and when we get this movie i don't know how we're gonna look at batman again for better or worse don't get yeah. me wrong i'm very much anticipating a good movie here but it's going to change how we look at the character and that is exciting it'll be interesting like you talk about the buzz marvel's a different beast because it's gotten to a point where every single movie has the buzz like remember the eternals oscar talk like yeah that was a real thing this feels so much like Rise of Skywalker to me in so many different ways. Like leading up to that movie was like a real feeling of like, this is it. This is going to be the event of the Star Wars thing. But it's so weird because this is so not the end of a saga. You know, this is the beginning of a saga. But like the everybody seems to be talking about the Batman a little bit right now. And that's really exciting. And I know bringing up Rise of Skywalker like has a poo-poo kind of thought right now but like we got to remember leading up to that movie how excited we all were like oh my god really you weren't uh, well i mean i wasn't a last jedi guy when it came out so i was just oh, eh. i was always jack force, force awakens was one of those movies for me where i would look at my phone and i would say oh it's january i gotta wait 12 more months yeah. like force awakens was someone else for me it was palpatine's laugh at the end of the trailer i was like oh this is gonna be the greatest movie of all time just like I think the Batman's going to be the greatest movie of all time. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. But let's dive into it. Let's get into everything you need to know about the Batman. Liam, we got a quick question here in a primer episode. Unprecedented here on the Direct Podcast. Who sent it in? What fan asked this quick question? It was me. I'm a fan of this show. I can ask a quick question, I think, right? You know, I listen to every episode. Um, so I want to I want to kind of piggyback off that. Why are we excited for this movie? And I want to break down some reasons that make it an interesting question to me. The Dark Knight trilogy is almost untouchable, right? Like, like it takes something special to get close to that Dark Knight trilogy. Not just in Batman movies, all movies. Um, the Bat Flick. Bat Fleck. Bat Fleck? Is that how you say it? Ben? Bat Fleck. Bat Fleck. Ben Affleck being Batman was a polarized... Yeah my dude at the super bowl just looking like he's having the time of his life been that uh yeah it's good stuff a polarizing experience at best you know what i mean a lot of people like 
Batman in those movies. Not a lot of people like those movies. Some people don't like Batman. It was polarizing at best. DC and WB's recent track record with big name superheroes. Not awesome. You know, it hasn't been great. It's been the no names that's been shining through. So Liam with living up to the dark Knight, We've already had another Batman since that we didn't really love. And DC's recent woes with the big name stars. Why are we excited for this movie? I think it's because they're taking it seriously. And I, that's not to say that they don't take other movies seriously, but they're very much not looking at this movie as a cash grab. And it's going to make a ton of money because it's Batman, but they're not looking at this as how is this going to launch the next cinematic universe? They're not looking at this as to how are they going to work in Superman and Aquaman and the Flash. They're telling a standalone Batman story and flooding it with standalone Batman characters and fleshing out the world because they saw how valuable that could be back in 2005. And they saw how well it worked going into 2008. And then they saw how much money the Dark Knight Rises made in 2012. I think Warner Brothers is becoming a lot more patient, which is a very, very good thing. And I think they're willing to let Batman eat. And they realize that if they let this movie breathe and not force it to do everything that Batman v Superman set out to do, they can dominate the 2020s. Like when this decade is over, the Batman could be the hottest property across all of Hollywood, including Marvel. And they've done the right steps to ensure that it's going to be that. And it has my stamp of approval. And I'm not concerned going in because of the talent they've assembled. They didn't listen to the internet noise about getting the guy from Twilight. No, they got the guy from the freaking lighthouse, Robert Pattinson. They didn't listen to the internet noise about uh, Matt Reeves. Even I don't even think there were any real criticisms. I think the criticisms on, on Matt Reeves were more his specialty is motion capture and how is he going to deal with practical effects and everything we've seen from the trailer. He's been knocking it out of the park. And then you get guys like Colin Farrell, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, who is so incredibly underrated. You're not going for these flashy a-lister names per se not to say that these aren't famous and talented people but these aren't you know your momoas your gal Gadots. these are just talented thespians that you're bringing into a comic book movie and i love that and that all wrapped up into a giant ball for a movie that has been marketed since august of 2020 and has been delayed like four different times i'm i'm all in and yeah. that's not easy to say considering Another movie comes out one month later, had its first trailer in 2020, has been delayed six times, and I couldn't care less. Shout out, Morbius. I'm still on the team that Morbius looks good. Like, it looks <laughs> good, I think. Whatever. Well, um, it's, it, it's the Real quick, it's the opposite in the sense that the reason why it's appealing is everything other than Morbius. Yeah. It's Michael Keaton. It's the Oscorp building. While Batman, it's all Batman and all the supporting stuff is cool, too. Yeah, and and I just want to you know take this time to shout out the trailers for this movie. Mm -hmm. I think that these trailers, like you know, we talk about trailers all the time. There's good trailers, there's bad trailers. There's been one good Morbius trailer, I think. There's been one really bad Morbius trailer, and we're getting another one on Monday. Um, but I think that these trailers have really just done a great job getting people excited. I know that sounds really simplistic, but it you know that's hard to do with a Batman movie. You know, this is the second Batman since Christian Bale, who was like polarizingly the fifth Batman. You know, it's 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 just really interesting how 
blindly people are accepting this and i think it's because these trailers do a really good job getting over just how big this movie is going to be but small at the same time and i think that's really important especially for the batman character so let's let's talk about the characters in this movie let's go through the rogues gallery let's go through the roster but before we do that if this seems like we're kind of breezing over it a little bit that's because we've spent the last three weeks reviewing christopher nolan's dark knight trilogy and yes we talk about our favorite things from all those movies. We talk about our least favorite things from one of those movies because I think only one of those movies has negatives to talk about. Um, and, you know, we really dove through the review side of it. But also, we put on the lens of what can Matt Reeves and the Batman team learn from the Christopher Nolan trilogy. So please go back epi- uh, the past three episodes of the Direct Podcast and listen to our reviews of the Nolan trilogy to get even more insight of what we're looking for in the Batman, the Batman. Batman starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. the Batman. Liam, Bob Pattinson, we've talked about it at nauseum. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, as we, you know, (laughs) we were four days away from seeing this movie. Um, (laughs) It's unbelievable to think about. Like, remember when WandaVision came out? We were like, I can't believe it's happening. (laughs) That was over a year ago. Um what are you most excited to see from Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne? Exactly who Bruce Wayne is because he's giving quotes in uh, recent interviews. This isn't really a spoiler. You've seen it in the trailers. There isn't really a playboy side to Bruce Wayne at this point. That's not to say there won't be eventually, but what does a dark and brooding Bruce Wayne alter ego look like when a mysterious vigilante just showed up? What does a dark and brooding alter ego who has all this resources of money and weapons when this, oh, this guy in a bat suit is fighting crime? How is he going to differentiate between Batman and Bruce Wayne? Because they seem like very similar in the trailers. And in interviews, it seems like he's embracing that. it's, It's going to be interesting from a character standpoint what Pattinson brings to Bruce Wayne. I think he has the chance to be the best Batman ever. But as of right now, I don't have full faith in where his Bruce Wayne lands among the Christian Bales, even the Ben Afflecks. Yeah. And, you know, I do just want to shout out Michael Keaton's my favorite Bruce Wayne. Um, I, I really enjoy Keaton as Bruce Wayne. I think Bale's a better Batman. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of great Bruce Wayne in the history books. How does he differentiate? How does he stand out? I really like that point. Um, I think with Robert Pattinson here, it's going to be really interesting how much people really fall in love with this character batman being flawed is one of the most interesting things about the character right that's something that we all kind of gravitate towards um so i really don't know what is going to happen as far as just the characterization of this character because like you said they seem like the same guys just one of them's wearing a mask i'm so excited to see the the self-talk in this movie for Bruce Wayne, because in the trailers, there's really not a lot of look inside what this person is going to be like. I think another thing that is really going to evolve the character, the mystery of the Wayne family, something that has never been explored in live action, at least in the movies. You know what I mean? Um, I think that it's really important to just keep in mind that like, we're going to be breaking down the tragic figure of Bruce Wayne more than we ever have. Not, not Batman, Bruce Wayne. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that correlates to his Batmaning um, at night. And when he goes out at night, he's going to run into some crazy characters along the way, the least of which his uh, sidekick slash nemesis, 
Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, played by Zoe Kravitz. Liam, we just watched The Dark Knight Rises. We saw Anne Hathaway get her crack at Selena Kyle. Um, it She was not as big of a part of this movie as I anticipate uh, Zoe Kravitz, Selena Kyle being in this movie. So I guess my question is, you know, as more of a, a B to Batman's A in this movie, as opposed to sharing that B spotlight in The Dark Knight Rises, what are you looking for, Zoe Kravitz, Selena Kyle, that's different than what we saw with Anne Hathaway just a week ago? I just I want to know what kind of charisma she's going to bring because Catwoman is just such a captivating character whenever she's on screen, uh, whether that be Anne Hathaway, whether that be Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, my God. I've literally put out that tweet a couple days ago. What's what's your biggest blunder of recognizing an actor from a project they should not be known for? And mine is Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's Aquaman's mom. <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Like another Batgirl in the past. Yeah. Oh, great point. Um, but yeah, that when it comes to Catwoman, I'm looking forward to that, that charisma that she's going to bring on screen. That's also unique. You know, she can't just be Pfeiffer or Hathaway 2.0. She's got to be something different. And I'm in, intrigued to see how she evolves over the course of this movie because she's wearing like a ski mask in all the promotional material. Like that's not, that's not the final Catwoman. Like right. we know she's going to get a straight up Catwoman suit eventually. Do we see that at the end? Do we see that midway through? Where does she fit in Gotham's crime ring essentially? Because she's often portrayed as an anti-hero, but she leans more on the villainous side. How does she set herself apart as that character who is, you know, cozy with Bruce Wayne, Batman, but is, you know, a villain at her core? Yeah, I think that Selena Kyle, Zoe Kravitz has more of a responsibility to get the audience to fall in love with her a little bit. Like Batman and Bruce Wayne are going to basically be two characters in this movie and the audience is going to be captivated on the duality of that. I think, you know, during this three hour romp, I think Selena Kyle needs to have a charm to her to um, you know, make her stand out in this movie. And also, like I talked about in our review of Dark Knight Rises, I think that's almost necessary to make this to make the pacing of this movie work as well as I hope it does. Because, you know, having that charismatic, charming character throughout the three hour movie is going to make the gaps so much better. Like, you know, the conversations that Selena Kyle has with other characters, I think are going to be moments of levity in this movie that I hope really stand out and, you know, just help us get through the story a little bit. I do want to shout out Cameron Bikadova, Bikandova, who played um, young Selena Kyle in the Gotham series. Um, mm. Really awesome show. I stopped watching after season four. I'm not, I don't really remember why. I actually met her um, at my old job at Fox 31 here in Denver, shared an elevator with her. I was on my phone. I'm coming in very hungover um uh, heading into work and, I, and i'm on my phone and i look up and there she is heading to an interview with our entertainment guy and i looked at her i go holy shit you're slater kyle she goes yep she goes <laughs> she goes i sure am i go you're awesome you're great can i get a you know picture or whatever she was fantastic um but what she brought was when she talked to bruce she called bruce on his bullshit you know, Bruce is trying to be Batman and Bruce is trying to fight justice and, you know, be as serious as possible. What's it going to be like when Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson are on screen together and Batman's forced to be a little more human than maybe he wants to be because Selena Kyle's dragging that out of him. That's what I'm looking for out of this character is a 
um, charismatic counterpoint to Bruce Wayne's stoicness. Um, mm. Liam, <laughs> your guy, your guy, uh, Edward Sigma, you know, famously yeah. portrayed by Jim Carrey, the Riddler, played yeah. by Paul Dano. I, I, I don't even have a question for you. Tell me why we're going to love the Riddler so much here. Because not only is he played by Paul freaking Dano, he's embracing the Zodiac vibe that makes the Riddler so creepy. And the Riddler is going to have a little bit of a tall order in this movie because, you know, the previous iterations were so wacky. And it's like, how do you take a guy seriously? Like uh, wrestling comparison, I apologize. But Drew McIntyre, like former WWE champion, headlined WrestleMania two years ago. Before Drew McIntyre is was... a former WWE champion? Yeah, he beat Brock Lesnar in 2020. I remember when he came up just like as a jobber. Exactly my point, because he came up as an absolute jobber. He was a no-namer. He was losing all the time. He was in a a wacky gimmick called three-man band where he air guitared and just got tombstoned by The Undertaker. And then he got fired. And then he had to work his ass off on the indie scene to legitimize himself so that when he came back, oh, no, this is Drew McIntyre. This is the Scottish psychopath, not the guy who was playing air guitar. Riddler's in a situation where, you know, the last iteration in live action on screen was a skin tight, wacky Jim Carrey, orange spray paint hair. Like, how does he evolve from that? The trailers have very much sold me on this portrayal. And also the other tall order is how does he differentiate himself from the Joker? Because the Joker also is kind of an agent of chaos naturally. And the Riddler seems a little bit more systematic, but he also is doing the live streams and he's tying people up and leaving clues and all that. So Mm -hmm. where does he fit in in all this? And I think the answer is pretty simple. It's Paul Dano. I have been someone for years who my big fan cast was Neil Patrick Harris, just because he fits the comic booky zaniness of the Riddler until they cast Paul Dano. And until I saw Zodiac and until I saw what a creepy, subtle, and just not in your face presence this guy can be. And the the voice, you know, if you are justice, please do not lie. Like that kind of stuff. He's, I haven't seen his face. I know there's clips out there with Paul Dano's face without the mask on. I don't want to see it because I'm so scared of this version of the Riddler. I want to go in completely blind so that when I do see the man behind the mask, it scares me on a cellular level. And this character oh, no. is just like everything I've wanted from a solo Batman movie forever. Uh, it's one of Batman's top rogues that hasn't been used yet in terms of modern Batman movies. Yeah, I give him the craving comparison of like he's like the last one that hasn't been done really, really well in live action yet. And I think we're going to get that on March 4th. Yeah, you, you said a lot of really great things here. And it's so interesting. I I can't remember the last time I watched a Batman trailer. Like I, I really can't. Like we stopped we stopped watching new ones, what, a month ago? Right? The last one I watched was the one that was called The Bat and the Cat. See, I didn't even watch that. I didn't even watch the Bat and the Cat trailer. I've been so disconnected from the promotion from this movie because like I said earlier, the trailer's so good, I'm already there. I don't like you just did the voice impression just now. I don't recognize that. I I am so blank on this character going in. And I'm really excited about that because it is going to be creepy. I'm not kidding. Like I'm getting like sweaty thinking about it right now. Like I'm nervous. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Like like, I'm scared of this movie a little bit. Um, 
what's going to be so interesting for me, because you, you, you hit the nail on the head. How do you differentiate yourself from the Joker? Who was this sociopathic, calm presence that creeps everybody out, right? How do you change that? And I think the riddles are going to be a huge part of this. I Like, you know, you talked about it, like, who's Batman going to fight in this? I think he's going to fight the riddles. Like, like he's going to be put in situations where he needs to use his physicality to get himself out of there. I think Paul Dano's Riddler is going to put him there. How many riddles, like, like actual laid out riddles that Batman has to solve? How many do you think we get? Because we got the Justice one in the trailer, right? And that's really cool. Like, that's the that's the classic Riddler riddle is, you know, the Justice. What's gray and um, all those different things. How many riddles do you think we get in this movie that we really actually need to solve? So three is a magic number, as we all know. But oh, I want to watch No Way Home. <laughs> so bad. We, we've seen two of the three, technically, because uh, if you are uh, if you are justice, please yeah. do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? I have seen ones in promotional material, like still images or like toys or whatever. Uh, what's black and blue and dead all over, which is probably just going to be like cops or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that I remember seeing, I don't know what the riddle was, but you know the scene from the trailer where the car crashes into yeah, the funeral. Yeah, the guy's got the phone. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we get someone like five or six, but like yeah. over the course of the three hours, when does it start to get repetitive? Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, if I'm a betting man, I'll, I'll go I'll go four. Right. And I think four is a good number. You know, one per act and then one final one um, mm-hmm. in that third act to double up, uh, double up. Um, you remember the WandaVision uh, baseball analogy? You know, you know, you take a big swing, you're either going to miss big or send it out of the park. I think leaning on the riddles here as a plot device is either going to be fantastic and something we talk about as like an amazing way to keep the story going, or like you said, it might run a little dry. I think that's a big risk they're taking in a relatively low risk movie, you know, where it's very stylistic and the cinematography is going to be a big prop here. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying you have to like be weird, wacky concept to be a good movie, but you know, the riddles being a weird, wacky concept is going to be something interesting. I do want to shout out Jim Carrey's Riddler. It's part of my childhood. It is funny. Like, like it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but it is funny. Um, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. Oh my God. And, and you know, that's Tommy Lee Jones, two face, you know, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, one of the biggest crushes I've ever had in my entire life. Like, like I've never loved somebody more than I love Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, you know? It's a bad credit card. Yeah, it's... <laughs> those movies suck. Um, it's so good. Um, moving on to the uh, the Two-Face to Riddler... to uh, The Two-Face to Riddler's Joker, the Scarecrow to Riddler's uh, Razagul. Um... Oswald Cobblepot, Penguin, played by Colin Farrell. My question is, you know, we've talked for three straight weeks on how you balance two villains at one time because every Batman movie has done it in the Nolan trilogy. And, you know, we haven't gotten a single Batman movie since, but even in Batman vs. Superman, it's Lex Luthor and uh, uh, Doomsday and, you know, all the different things happening with Batman in that movie. And, you know, Ben Affleck does a really good job portraying the chaos of it as a calm detective where do you see Penguin fitting into this story, not only as a Batman adversary, but also in the world building aspect of it? Because, you know, I, th- there's an assumption that he's going to be 
involved in the overall Gothamness of this movie. I think he is act one done and dusted. You know, that scene with the, the car and everything. I got you. Like, I think he's just a guy for Batman to punch at the beginning. And I really don't think he's intertwined with anything Riddler's doing because that's just kind of a, a assumption. I don't really have any anything to base that off of just compared to past Batman villains where Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul were semi working together. Sure. Um, you know, Harvey Dent is created, Two-Face is created on the back of Joker. Joker. Like they're they're intrinsic, they're together. Um, and obviously Catwoman is a very big part uh, of Batman taking down Bane. Like they're all kind of together um, in that movie. I, I don't really see uh, uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin associating too much with the Riddler. But what I do see is a little bit of a tragic backstory for him in the sense that you know, we feel for him. He's a bad guy, but I think he is very low on the totem pole in Gotham's crime. I don't think we've seen Prime Penguin yet. I think he might, you know, get like pushed around a little bit by Falcone and other mob bosses that are high up on the totem pole. And even though he's a bad guy, we're going to feel for him a little bit so that when he does rise, it's even more difficult uh, to root for him. Yeah, much like Riddler, you know, being so disconnected from the promotion myself, um, I don't know what to anticipate with Penguin, but I do like that pitch you have as someone who maybe like going after Batman is his big play to become relevant in the crime, you know, aspect of Gotham. And um, I think that's going to be interesting. You know, maybe, maybe he's a developmental piece in this movie that we see in the next Batman, you know, play a bigger role. Bucky Barnes, uh, you know, mm. sticks out to me. Um, as someone who really had that run, I just wrote an article about it. That's why. But um, uh, yeah, I think that uh, much like Catwoman, I think we might get some levity from Colin Farrell here. Um, you know, he does seem pretty cartoonish um, for what this world is. Uh, does he call somebody sweetheart or toots or something in one of the trailers? So, you know, I love I love the old school chauvinistic New York guy in this movie because it does ground it a little bit. Like, you know, we all know that guy, at least from TV. You know what I mean? So um, it'll be interesting to see how Colin Farrell plays a role in the overall plot. I, I, I hope he is a representation of Gotham. I think that I think that he could be our window into what's wrong with Gotham. Um, but uh, window into what's wrong with the Waynes and the mystery behind that whole thing. Alfred Pennyworth. I don't think it's being talked enough about how, yes, Robert Pattinson is essentially replacing Christian Bale as the solo movie Batman. And, you know, he has to live up to that. Robert Pattinson at this point has to live up to Christian Bale um, in order to succeed. You know, uh, uh, Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to be the man, right? Andy Serkis is going up against Michael Caine's Alfred, Alfred Pennyworth. Michael Caine's one of the most historic and well-known actors in the world. The the layman, the common you know fan of movies, that's Alfred. It's not Michael Caine. That's Alfred. You know, you say the name Michael Caine. Who's that? Alfred. How does Andy Serkis differentiate himself from probably the most popular characterization of a Batman character? That being Michael Caine's Alfred. It's going to be very very difficult. Um, he's a younger Alfred, obviously yep. in the trailers. I believe he has gray hairs somewhere, but it's not all gray. Like he feels more like he feels Batman. more like Ben Affleck's age in the Batman v Superman movies, like in the context of this film. Um, I'm excited for him to be in this movie 
uh, not Alfred the character, uh, Andy Circus the actor, strictly because this is a Matt Reeves film, and Andy Circus uh, was um, Caesar in all three Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, those two work together so well when there's motion capture involved, when you strip that away and just have this guy act with his face, it's going to be magical. And it's going to be a very, very, very difficult barrier to overcome. I just hope it's my Wolverine analogy that I always use in the sense that he doesn't try to beat Michael Caine. No one's going to beat Hugh Jackman, but what you can do is be a more comic accurate Wolverine, be shorter, be scrappier, be scruffier, have the mask, have the yellow spandex. Alfred, I, you know, in the limited Batman graphic novels I've read, Michael Caine's a pretty fairly comic accurate Alfred, but I know he can get scrappy at times. Like I know Alfred's got a history of like, you know, we, we see it in the Pennyworth TV show on what, what streaming service is it on? Good show, Showtime, Cineplex, Stars, one, one of the uh, uh, premium channels or whatever. He's like that in Gotham too. Yeah, like Al- Alfred can get down and dirty in terms of like fighting people. And Andy Serkis is like, you know, it's a built dude. So maybe we get more physical Alfred, which I'm which I'm very much here for. We burn the forest down. Um, uh, it's going to be so interesting to see how they portray Alfred as far as like, is is he going to be that support system for Bruce Wayne? I think the obvious answer is yes, but like that's what Michael Caine's character was through and through. He wakes up. I support Bruce Wayne. I go to bed like that. That. You could even go as far as to call him a two-dimensional character in the Nolan trilogy. I don't think it's at the detriment to the story. I don't think we needed more Alfred depth to really get more out of him in that character because he played it so well. But like this third layer to Andy Serkis' Alfred of the Wayne family secret, maybe that's what they hang their hat on here with Alfred. Like maybe he's just he's got a different role in Bruce Wayne's life. Not only is he taking care of him as, you know, an assistant, a butler. You know, his number two, his guy in the chair, Ned Leeds, shout out. Um, you know, but maybe he is a secret. Uh, maybe we turn on Alfred here. You know, maybe Alfred's not the best guy in this, you know, hiding something. For, did you know? I watched Civil War the other day. Like, did you know? Like, maybe we get that. Like, it's going to be insane. Uh, speaking of Wolverine real quick, did you see the uh, recent little news bit that came out? Today? Taron Egerton was asked, and he's down. Well, like, who asked him? An interviewer? I don't know, but Taron Egerton's name was next to the word Wolverine in the headline, and I'm here for it. Okay, but it wasn't like Feige asking him. I don't know. Does Feige have a podcast? Does he go under an (laughs) alias? You can't tell me I'm wrong. You know, she wore a crown and came down in a bubble, Doug. Moving on. Hey, Matt, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Nova. Nova is coming out. Would you be interested in playing Nova from Marvel Studios? Uh, yeah, I think I'm probably the most famous internet personality that's been tied to Nova. I don't know um, why Nova just came to mind. I saw a Nova <laughs> graphic novel on my shelf and I was like, he hasn't been done in live action yet. Now I've asked Matt and Matt's been asked about Nova. So let's write an article about it. Yeah. Shout out Brandon <laughs> Davis, friend of the show. Um, our, our Nova, um, another character that was portrayed so well in the dark Knight trilogy and really just got everybody wrapped around this actor and this character is Jim Gordon played by Jeffrey Wright voice of god you know so he's got that Mm. going for him right um we love him in westworld we loved him in what if um voice of god (laughs) what if yeah exactly (laughs) i didn't even think about that you're absolutely right um uh jim gordon here um i just got done reading year one uh the batman graphic novel 
awesome. Jim Gordon's such a big part of it, right? He hasn't been involved with the marketing material even a little bit. Where do we see as far as hierarchy of screen time, importance, character development, all that stuff? You know, I got seven characters on this list. Where do you see Jim Gordon falling? I think he is pretty high up in terms of screen time just because he seems like he's going to be an integral liaison between Batman and GCPD. But yeah, I, he's another one that's going to be very difficult to overcome because Robert Pattinson, I have full faith. He can, he can be better than Bale and Affleck and other great Batman that have preceded him. Uh, Andy Serkis, Alfred, I think he can do something a little different. It's going to be hard to be better than Gary Oldman, man. And it's going to be hard to look the part better than J.K. Simmons. You see that like we, he only had very limited screen time in Justice League um, and he's coming back for the background movie, too. But like he looks like Jim Gordon's ripped off from the comics. And so when you have the most comic accurate Jim Gordon and the best portrayal of Jim Gordon as the two most recent Jim Gordons, like that's a freaking tall order for Jeffrey Wright. But. Jeffrey Wright's a thespian and I've seen Westworld season one. I know what he can do and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do to set himself apart while also not setting himself apart for the sake of setting himself apart. It's a very fine line. Yeah. You know, that's where you fit in. That's a shout out homecoming. Stop it, Liam. Um, That was awesome. That was the best one you've done in a long time. That was the, I'll say it. That's the best one you've done in a really long time. I love it. Um, Jeffrey Wright's mustache, I think it's just absolutely killer. Like, like mm-hmm. you know, he's got that doubt packed. Like, he's got a little bit more of a roundness to it. So I think that makes him look even more like a comic book character. Obviously, he's black and Jim Gordon in the comics is white. But, like, the round mustache he has, I feel like it looks just yeah. like the comic. And I love that. Um, I've talked about this with two other characters so far. I think Penguin is going to be our vehicle for the crime uh, families of Gotham. I think Alfred might be our vehicle to the mysteries of the Wayne. Jim Gordon, specifically in the year one comic I just read and I'm now obsessed with, he is a vehicle to show just how bad the corruption of Gotham is. This is how bad the entire police system in Gotham City is. Like Everyone's bad. And they use Jim Gordon to show that over and over and over again. They beat you over the head with it. And um, so I really think that that's what Jeffrey Wright could be here. I don't know what that does for me, taking all these different characters and expecting them to be insights into different facets of Gotham City. But I think if you're going to have Jim Gordon be a big part of this franchise, I think you introduce him on a small scale and let us develop it over time. Kind of like we're thinking with Penguin and hopefully with Selena Kyle. Um, last one on here, such a small character. We, ha- I don't even think we've seen him in promotional at all. I was looking at the IMDb page and I was shocked that this actor is playing Carmine Falcone, John Turturro, Turturro. Do you know how to say his name by chance? Turturro. I think it's Turturro. Um, I've never seen him in anything but Transformers <laughs> and in Transformers, <laughs> he was the FBI agent. You remember he was, and he was awesome. He was so funny. He's one of the, he's one of the funniest parts of those movies by a long shot. And um, I'm, I, I don't really have a question for you. I'm excited to see him play the, Hey, come on. Kind of mob boss here. Uh, more like the dark Knight, less night, less like Batman begins. Yeah, and I hope he's powerful too. I hope mm-hmm. he he has an intimidating presence to him. Um, you're reading Long Halloween. I am three chapters in. Yeah. Okay, so then no spoilers for Long Halloween, but he's a big presence in Long Halloween. You know, as 
the Falcones and the Maronis is the other yeah. family, right? Mm-hmm. The, the um, Roman the Falcones and the, Maroni uh, the is, Yeah, the, those two empires are very prevalent in Batman um, IP in general. And sometimes they can be powerful. Sometimes they can get beat up on. And sometimes they can just feel like background players. I hope he feels like a main guy. It's just like we saw kind of in Batman Begins um, very early on. And I hope we kind of get a little bit of a subplot where Riddler or not Riddler Penguin is trying to take over for him. And we're like rooting for Penguin to to take his seat. But then when he takes his seat, he's he's still the bad guy. He's still the mob boss. Mm-hmm. But we just he's got more charisma to him. So I the think uh, Falcone is the villain overall, but he's primarily an antagonist for Penguin in this movie. Mm-hmm. He This this seems like our punching bag. This seems like Falcone and his men. That's where we're going to get our action sequences from Bob Pattinson and the Batman. So that's a lot of pieces on the board, Liam. That's a that's a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, you take out Alfred and you have Jim Gordon, Carmine Falcone, Oswald Cobblepot, and Selena Kyle all as kind of villainous entities of Gotham. How? My question to you: How does the Riddler? become the main focus of this movie how does everything tie into the riddler story here make the characters on screen focused on the riddler and like seeing is believing and i think that if we have all these main players and they're all looking towards the screens looking towards the riddler live streams and whatnot wondering about the clues when the characters that have drawing power are scared of someone that only increases our stock in that someone and so i think when you have batman catwoman penguin uh alfred even alfred getting a little worried about what are you talking about don't he's talking about the waynes oh god like you know we get a a, a close camera shot uh winter soldier ask of some sweat trickling down like stuff like that that just establishes the riddler as someone you don't want to mess with and I, I think that's how you accomplish it. And also you accomplish that by you don't reveal Barry Cogan as the Joker until after the Riddler's been taken down. I'm, I'm king of the hill. I'm riding with it until I'm proven wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. It's so interesting. Like I'm so much going into this movie, like Robert Pattinson versus Christian Bale, uh, Paul Dano versus uh, Heath Ledger and Jeffrey Wright versus um uh, Gary Oldman like I, I, I'm very much going into it with that like comparison attitude which I think is going to be fun because this looks so different um, yet similar um, moving over just kind of the overall things I want to do a quick kind of speed around with you a little bit Gotham City um, the look the sounds the feel the energy so the look the production of this movie you mentioned um, uh, what's the Mandalorian thing the volume 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 shooting from a cinematography standpoint, uh, from the trailers, what are we expecting out of this movie? Um, you know, uh, here's all I'll do. Relate it to what we were expecting going into Eternals. Ooh, great question. I mean, I hope Gotham feels super established and lived in, even though it is still like we're in the infancy of Batman's mm-hmm. tenure, Bruce Wayne's tenure as Batman. But at the same time, I want this city to feel like a character. Like we talk, you talk all the time about how Wakanda is a character in the Black Panther movies. I want Gotham to be a character in these Batman movies. And they can accomplish that by giving it a distinct feel. And it's weird because you you mentioned also in these bullet points, the sounds, I think, is something we go in with full confidence of. It's not that I'm not confident in the look of Gotham City. I just really haven't paid attention to it in the marketing leading up. And so... 
you know, seeing this thing in freaking IMAX. I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. That's going to be big, dude. <laughs> like, think about what we see in The Mandalorian. This is going to be huge. Like, this is going to be a big feeling city. I think as far as, like, the look, I don't want it to look too shiny. I don't want it to be too, you know, biggest city on Earth kind of thing. They talk about that with Gotham a lot. Um, you know, there's a reason Batman has to become Batman. I think it has to be Gotham's in a bad spot. You know what I mean? Like, like that's kind of the whole point about Bruce Wayne being Batman. He doesn't do it just to do it. He does it because he believes it's the only thing that can be done. So I just hope it doesn't look too shiny. And as far as the score, Giacchino, that's what I'm most excited about um, going into this one. So we'll see um, how much it lives up to it. It looks like it's going to be insane. Uh, the feel, as far as the story, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. But um, as far as pacing with you, um, three-hour movie action to narrative scenes percentage wise like give me give me your ideal action to you know like conversations and character development scenes the uh, uh, passing plays versus run plays passing plays being action run plays mm. being everything else i'll give you the two things that came to my mind immediately in terms of the the split i hope it's 70 30 and exactly. 70 being narrative 30 being action and my ask for this movie is to be an edge of my seat slow burn, which is kind of contradictory. But some films have done it <laughs> like Prisoners, Zodiac, um, these like murder mystery type vibes, kidnapping vibes, like like make me in the downtime, make me feel uncomfortable because oh, why are we in downtime? This feels weird. Like that's what I'm hoping. And it's it's a it's a tall order. It's hard to accomplish. And I think they can do it. Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking for more of like a 70, uh, not, not a 70, 30, a 60, 40 situation where I hope first act, we get a lot of action, just kind of establish the power set. Then we get into the riddles, the, the, the greatest uh, detective of all time aspect of it. Big final, whatever. You know what I mean? It's going to, it's going to be awesome to see more Batman Catwoman stuff. Cause we really only got that one scene of them uh, together in the dark Knight rises. So that dynamic, you know, the brute versus the agility together. I think it's always really fun. Um, and yeah, so yeah, guys, that that's kind of the breakdown of the different characters and what we're expecting out of the movie. So let's dive into a little bit more of your questions. What do you guys want to know about the Batman and what we expect? And, you know, we're going to, we're going to bring in some help to help with all of your great questions. Ladies and gentlemen, our mailbag with Barcel sports, Robbie Fox. <laughs> With the Batman just a couple of days away and all of the characters already broken down in this primer edition, we thought it best to answer some of your fan submitted questions, both on Twitter and Instagram. And we brought in the big guns. He's now a direct podcast regular, Mr. Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports and My Mom's Basement. Robbie, how are we doing hey. on this fine afternoon? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back on the direct. I love the podcast. I love you, the content that you guys put out on Twitter all the time. So I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to talk about Batman too, because obviously he's like my guy. We're happy to have you here. The last time we had you on, I just remembered it was the uh, the best fighters draft. Mm. That we oh had. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. And you got two Batman characters off the board with that. So yeah, we had yeah. to bring back the bad expert. Um, we've been on a Batman run here on the direct podcast. So we are as in tuned with the characters we can be i'm really excited to answer these questions i love that i saw you were reading year one you were tweeting about that the other day that's a friggin classic obviously it's going to be very relevant to this movie long halloween right there too yep. like i mean these these are some of the greatest batman stories ever told we're talking about right now 
hundred percent, dude. Year one's a wild one, man. Like it's yeah. such a simple thing. I do hate that Jim Cord's kind of a piece of shit in it, but yeah. that's okay. You know, <laughs> that's that's okay. I think I'm supposed to feel that way. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Regardless, we talked about uh, how Jim Gordon could change in this movie. We talked about how Riddler could change in this movie. There's going to be so much to break down, but we also have some questions, like I said, here from the listeners. Right off the top, here's kind of a broad question that I want to go to Robbie with first uh, from Tom X01 on Instagram. Who's your favorite Robin? Oh, this is a great question. And I have what some people consider a controversial answer. I'm a Tim Drake guy, the third Robin. And I like Tim Drake because I grew up with like the new Batman adventures in the animated series and yeah. Nightwing because Dick Grayson grows up and becomes Nightwing. And then they bring in Tim Drake. And I always thought his hair was so cool. It's like such a strange thing about him, but his action figure, his outfit, he didn't wear the, the like little Robin tidy whities anymore. He was wearing the full sleeves and everything. His cape, mm-hmm. he turns into red Robin. Tim Drake is actually, yeah, my favorite Robin thing about tim drake is like he brought a coolness to that character yeah. that really hadn't been seen in a like a non-antagonist kind of way so yeah i dig tim drake as well my one is uh jason todd i'm a sucker for red hood i love the character yeah. of red hood and uh yeah tim drake's a good one also shout out dick grayson the og um, of course yeah it's uh it's fun to bounce around with the different iterations especially with who they become in the future and characters we might see within you know this robert pattinson batman universe from a robin perspective i think is absolutely plentiful moving on to other questions we have one from tony desh on instagram top three bat suits this could be a little fun uh matt i'll go to you first with this one maybe we kind of assemble a a joint trilogy here what's one of your favorite top three bat suits i'm gonna go keaton um, you know, it's classic. It's 89. It's something about the yellow bat symbol on the chest that mm-hmm. just it feels nostalgic to me. Uh, you know, you mentioned the animated series like they have runs with the yellow thing on the chest. And I just think that, um, you know, that classic all black, like there's really no shades of gray. Um, shout out Zack Snyder um, uh, <laughs> within that suit. Like it's very, you know, it's just all black rubbery. And I just the yellow really stands out. So, yeah, I'm gonna go 89 uh, Keaton for me. Robbie, how about you? Top three or just my favorite? Yeah, give me your favorite for starters. And then if you have any other honorable mentions, those two. My favorite is probably also the Keaton one, but I would go Batman Returns Keaton because they change up the bat symbol just a little bit. Mm-hmm. They take like one of the swoops out of it in Batman Returns. And I just I think see. it looks slicker. It's kind of the one that they use in the Batman, the animated series bat right. symbol. But mm-hmm. I would go with the second Keaton suit because I like the cowl. I mean, I love the Nolan movies. Dark Knight's my favorite movie ever. And I dig that for that Batman, he can fucking turn his neck and it's practical. (laughs) But there's something to like the bat cowl, like the way it looks on screen when Batman has to turn like Darth Vader where he's turning his whole body. Like there's something to that. And when Keaton rips that one off and returns and it just like you see the rubber really rip it. That's a really cool moment. Liam, what's your favorite? Can I cheat a little here? Yeah. Arkham City, man. I love the the Arkham. And that's a great pick. And I especially love how it seems like Pattinson's bat suit is kind of adapting elements of it. It feels a little mm-hmm. like chunkier, more metal um, yeah. rather than just like kind of the felt suits that we've seen before. And shout out Ben Affleck. And I believe it's Justice League. He has one suit in Justice League that I'm a very big fan of. The one that has the eyepieces that go down. Yeah. I'm not crazy about the eyepieces, but when those come I off, like those. that oh. suit is, is pretty cool. I like the eyepieces because they remind me of the animated series. And I'm such like a kid of the animated series. When I see the white eyes light up, 
hell yeah, that's Batman. I like the Affleck suit too. Like they, they kind of did the Dark Knight Returns thing with mm-hmm. big bat right symbol and everything. Mm-hmm. And I like when I'm reading Batman in my comics, I like the gray suit a lot of the time. I like Absolutely. the gray suit with like either the navy or the black. I, I think that probably comes from growing up with the 66 Batman. Absolutely. That, the Adam West. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was. That's what I was about to say. We really haven't gotten a true live version of the blue and gray. You no. know what I mean? Like that. Uh, I'm reading Long Halloween right now. Like that blue and gray just pops off dark Gotham City. I think it'd be really cool. Like, you know, we've talked about the Keaton all black rubber is just iconic. And then the velour cape that Christian Bale wears that is just <laughs> so velvet all the time it's awesome <laughs> and then obviously you know ben affleck just got huge for it so his is more hulking but like i, I would love to see a blue batman suit sometimes if i mean they're talking about doing mr freeze in the future right like mr freeze with his like blue imagery bouncing off like a, a gray and blue suit that would be awesome yeah nothing from fun. george clooney or chris o'donnell in this one nah, yeah <laughs> we're not putting the bat nipples on our list <laughs> those those are saved for a different yeah. type of leave those of in the cave three. Exactly. We got a question from a friend of the show, Thomas Carter Rochester, and also one on Instagram from Golden Donut, both kind of similar um, questions here. I'll go to Golden Donuts first. Do you think Batman might accidentally break his rule since he's not in as not as in control of himself? While Thomas Carter Rochester says Batman on film has a history of killing. Do you think this Batman kills Robbie? I'll go to you first. We see some very brutal shots in the trailer, specifically that I'm vengeance quote. Do you think this Batman's going to chalk up some uh, some kills i don't i think this batman is gonna have like a hard not killing rule because in every batman iteration like he says batman like kills and like people like to ignore it they like to say oh Zack snyder brought in like batman with guns and killing i'm not the biggest snyder guy but that's not a Zack snyder thing go watch batman returns he hands a villain a pipe bomb and he's like see ya and like the villain just blows up it's crazy crazy the amount of kills he kills the joker in the first one basically by sending him off the the legend everything so i think this batman is going to take a different turn and they're going to establish like a hard no killing rule and we're never going to see him break it or at least not in the first movie maybe further down the line but not in the first movie Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've spoke my grievances with the Snyder series um, here on this podcast. It's almost like Snyder assumes everybody knows that's his rule. And that's why it's so trippy when Ben Affleck does it in those movies. So, you know, I think that can be more of a theme here in this one. Obviously, you know, we we watched The Dark Knight. That's the theme of the movie, right? You got to break your one rule. And um, I think that, you know, just really making that more emotional uh, theme here in this movie as opposed to just you know the justice side of things um would be really i i think about civil war a lot uh when cap goes to get bucky and then they uh have to get out of the building and uh they do the thing with the handrail right yeah cap says you know, you know you're gonna hurt you're gonna kill someone i'm not gonna kill anyone Technically, yes, you didn't kill anyone, but those guys are hung up at the hospital. Their families have to pay these bills for the rest of their lives. They can't breathe anymore. Like, maybe you should have. Like, like it's insane how close we can get with these superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Batman not killing, I think, is essential to the character in this universe just because he seems like he is so brutal. And in order mm-hmm. to kind of nerf him a little bit, in order to give him his kryptonite, essentially put some limitations on it, which makes those eventual villain encounters so much more difficult. Uh, We have another question here from Samuel T 2004 on Instagram. He asks, what are your expectations for this universe going forward? We've seen a lot of quotes from director Matt Reeves very recently saying he has no interest in really bringing Superman into this world. And I'm for that. I like the dark and gritty and bat 
Batman's cinematic universe. I think that's really cool to build a universe around one character and his rogues gallery and his vast uh, majority of supporting players. Matt, I'll go to you first for this one. What are your expectations for the Matt Reeves verse moving forward? Is this our chance to get the Amazing Spider-Man universe right? Like, is this our chance to really do the TASM thing the way we all wanted it to go down? You know what I mean? Uh, You know, you you mentioned those quotes from Matt Reeves about Superman. Uh, Jeffrey Wright also came out recently and said that he's either in talks or there's been discussions about his Jim Gordon showing up in the Gotham PD HBO Max series. So I like that kind of universe building when you talk about a single character universe where you know, you have your movies really focused on Batman and, you know, the main Batman characters, but have a Gotham PD show where we really build the city up from underneath them and, you know, let Jeffrey Wright do his thing, become an established character off screen. So when he comes back, we all have that emotional depth. I think that um, DC has shown, you know, with Peacemaker that they can really do some awesome small scale stories within a big universe on HBO Max and we can all really gravitate toward it. Um, and I think this is a perfect opportunity. Like I said, let's get the TASM universe right this time. I'm excited about it. I yeah. agree with everything you said there. Like the Gotham PD show, I think sounds awesome. That's an opportunity to like build up villains, tease villains, introduce villains, bring them back. Like there's so much there. And like you said, Batman is enough. Like you don't need Superman. You don't need all the other heroes. He's got so much lore in Gotham within the own bat family. I hope they go bat family with this universe. That's like where I'm hoping for. I want to see Robin come in. I want to see him turn into Nightwing. I want to see, you know, I don't know if they'll go Batgirl because we're doing Batgirl in the DCEU. But show us a little bit of the Bat family. Maybe they have a Barbara Gordon that works as Oracle in this one instead mm-hmm. of doing the Batgirl thing. So I would like to see that. Robbie, I feel like you're you're reading my mind here with the future questions because we have a question from 2214761. Just numbers oh. in the username. But this mystery person asks for our ideal Batverse lineup. So Robbie, you mentioned a couple names off the top. Do you have a roster of Bat family characters? you want to see in the future i mean dick grayson is is the one that i would love to see because that storyline of him turning into nightwing like even though tim drake is my favorite robin nightwing is one of my favorite batman characters so like i would like to see dick grayson brought in i would like to see barbara gordon because there's even stuff you could do with like the killing joke stuff where i know it's controversial now but like joker you know killing her shooting her paralyzing her stuff like that where it's like oh my god that that stakes right there I would like to see Jason Todd. I mean, that would be crazy, but like maybe I'm asking too much at that point because <laughs> you would have to do the brutal killing scene. You'd have to do him turning into the Red Hood. And then as far as villains, I really, really want to see Mr. Freeze done right. And I want to see the Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. And I know both of those have been brought up. So I don't think either of them are like crazy stretches. I think they could happen. I think they're gonna happen, man. I think Corey Owls is going to be our, you know, lingering, uh, you know, cliffhanger here off this movie. That you know they they plant some seeds here in the Batman for Court of Owls stuff down the line, and because of that, I think I like the idea of having a run. I don't know if it's two movies, three movies, whatever, where it's Batman, Jim Gordon. Um, and, you know, kind of his Gotham squad as he kind of develops this Batman uh, prowess, this legendary status of uh, Batman before he hits prestige on Call of Duty, you know. And, <laughs> you know, he just goes down the line, develops into the the Dark Knight of Gotham. And then, you know, in the third movie or so, we introduce our Dick Grayson. You know, we start planting those seeds for some predecessors. 
You know what I mean? And then we take Batman away from it a little bit and let the Bat family kind of eat and then bring him back. That's, you know, the eight-year gap in Dark Knight Rises. Man, what an opportunity to do some of that. Yeah. You know, let's let's learn from, you know, not mistakes, but, Leo, you know, let's let's take advantage of what we could have done back then. Let's, you know, let's establish a Batman and then establish something underneath them. I think that could be really cool. Guys, I'm Maybe so Bat Cow from the Batman Incorporated series, too. We have a cow in a cave. Absolutely. Bat Mite's got to make, you know, Bat Mite's been yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. in Peacemaker. Canon. Canon, absolutely. And cows are a hot thing right now with Peacemaker wrapping up. So who Bat. knows? Who knows? But uh, guys, I just got to emphasize after that question, thinking about setting up the cinematic universe. I'm so excited for this movie. Like, this is going to be something be remarkable. Um, yeah. We kind of answered this question in the idea of our ideal Batverse, but I still think it's uh, worth addressing. Uh, Alan Serta asks on Instagram, which villain you would like to see in the sequel? I know we've mentioned our Mr. Freezes, our Court of Owls. I'll go Red Hood eventually. I know that will take some seeds to be planted and whatnot, but if you do have a Joker and you do have a Jason Todd, I think there's a really cool intimate story to be told down the line with a live action under the Red Hood adaptation. I think that could be very fun. Robbie, are there any villains besides the ones already mentioned that you hope to see in a sequel? Yeah, definitely. I got I got villains like Arkham Asylum in my head that I want to see brought in here. So I yeah. want to see like Mad Hatter, I want to yeah. see Poison Ivy done again. I guess yes. I don't even want to say done right because like Uma Thurman, I didn't hate as Poison Ivy. Like I know it's such a schlocky, silly movie, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I would like to see uh, Luchador Bane. I would like to see him with uh-huh. like the friggin mask on and like the wrestling mask, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like ridiculousness, but I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, Killer casting. I need, I need a casting for, for Luchador Bane. Oh, that's a great question. Like the mountain from Game of you. Thrones. Brian yeah. Cage. Oh, Brian Cage would be good. Kind of like his Lucha Underground character. That's kind mm-hmm. of Bane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brian Cage would be a great one. I'm in. And I don't mean he, the AEW is not using him. So go ahead. There you go. <laughs> I, watched my first, I watched my first show of AEW last night, guys. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. I experienced what Hook was. That dude is a badass. <laughs> Dan Housen, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I watched it at a pool bar. It was a good time. Um, oh, yeah. My, you you said mine, Poison Ivy. This is a character that, you know, obviously she got the campy treatment. Uma Thurman was awesome. One of my first crushes as a child was Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. And, um, you know, just like we we haven't seen that character at all since then. She's crushing it over on animation, though, with Flake Bell, right? Like, like she is like Harley Quinn level, you know, maybe not Harley Quinn level, but like she's up there. She's got a show with Harley Quinn on animation. DC's track record, if it plays on animation, people are going to love it when you bring it to live action. So bring in a sinister, sexy Poison Ivy to go against Batman here and kind of be that temptation aspect villain that I think would be really cool. There's cool stuff you could do with VFX with that too. Like at this point, the the vines wrapping over Batman, you could do some like nightmarish stuff. Yeah, you could do some Groot shit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Get some Groot shit in the sequel. I'm a fan of that. Robbie, I have a follow-up <laughs> question for you with a name that's come to my head and a lot of people saying it on social media too. Hush. I don't yeah. know much about Hush and I. it's a run that I've been meaning to read for a very, very long time. And I know you're kind of the Batman guy. Are you familiar with Hush? And could you sell me a little bit on why oh, Hush yeah. would be a great sequel villain? So Hush would be great, but I don't know if he would be a great like sequel villain for this universe because I think they're taking elements of Hush and putting him in the Riddler in this movie. Mm-hmm. So like a big part of Hush's storyline, he's this mysterious guy. And my Batman tattoo here is from Hush, Jim Lee. 
Yo, I love that. I love that book. I love that storyline. I love the art in it. It, it, It's Jim Lee art. So it's like, um, you know, it's the best in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's kind of like this mysterious figure that seems to know a lot about the Waynes, seems to know a lot about Bruce. And the whole time, Batman kind of works his way through other villains in the arsenal while getting through to Hush. And spoiler alert, turns out Hush was actually a childhood friend of Bruce's. And this is how he knows all of this. So I think when I see in the trailers, like the, the Riddler saying it all goes back to the Waynes and he's saying, you know, it all goes back to you. I'm like, I think they're kind of pulling that from Hush. It sounds like a lot of the same things. And I would also recommend they made Hush into an animated movie, the DC like animated universe. And it was really well done. So I, I really would recommend that to people. I love that. I'm so long I'm Halloween still- one was well done, too. I like that two parter. I'm only three chapters in. I'm reading it today. And I'm yeah, very excited it, yeah, about it. That's, that's the goat detective story as far as Batman goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm when you're done with that, though, watch the animated because they, they did it justice. That, and honestly, like, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to buy it because, like, I wanted to watch the animated before this, but I'm like, I really should read it. People talk about yeah. it like I need to read it. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I actually have a question coming from the tweeter. Um, it is. Uh, in future sequels, we could see Bat family members considering the age of the Batman in this one. You know, we talked about our dream Bat family. So I guess my question is, how much of a kid do we get with the Dick Grayson character if we get him down the line? Like, you know, what's that? What's that look like? Because, you know, we saw Downey and uh, Tom Holland. You know, that's kind of the biggest kid adult relationship we've seen work on screen, um, at least so far. So, like, do you guys have an age gap in mind? considering what Robert Pattinson's bringing to the table here. Robbie, I'll go to you first. I feel like you almost try to replicate the Tony Stark, Peter Parker thing. Like you just brought that up and it put it in my brain. Like, yeah, definitely. That, that is kind of the blueprint that you want to follow. I don't Can you go like someone that passes as 15, 14, but passes as some kind of crazy martial artist, you know, Mm -hmm. acrobatics superstar. Right. Liam, I, I guess my question is, you start him at 15. How long do we keep him a kid? Peter Parker has been under 18 for three straight movies. Do we get that kind of in the Batman? It's a very good question. It, it kind of depends on how well the actor ages, per right. se. Yeah. Like, you could cast him as as a 25-year-old. Like, a 25-year-old actor could play a 15-year-old, and then by the time he turns 28, all of a sudden, he looks like he's 28. So, who knows? Um, I, the aging thing is kind of unpredictable. With a story like under the red hood that is so like conducive on having the kid aspect and then the present aspect. I would almost rather just do flashbacks having two mm-hmm. actors, one play the kid version, one play the adult version. But at the same time, I want to see those scenes fleshed out. Like if we're going to do a Dick Grayson into Nightwing story or a Jason Todd into red hood story, I want to feel the connection with the kid in present day and then evolve that into a future movie with the turn rather than have flashbacks like i want to grow up with these kids turn them into an adult robin an adult nightwing red hood and really feel that so it's it's weird it's murky they're Maybe able to pull it off in the tv shows and everything yeah mm. yeah they're able to pull it off in fast nine you know what i mean so you know we got that going for us with the flashbacks really being fleshed out scenes um i guess i i have a question guys i'm a fan of the show and you know i want to ask a question the music so the score the production so the visuals of it and then like the aesthetic so how gotham looks how the costumes look you know just kind of how everything uh looks and feels as far as like uh set design and costume design 
What of those three production as- uh, aspects are you guys most excited for? Robbie? Ooh, that's a great question. I think it's the like the way Gotham looks, the whole aesthetic mm-hmm. of the movie, because I saw some screenshots on Twitter, like even as recent as this week, like I think it was like newer looks at Gotham, and it looks like Gotham is back to becoming like almost another character in the movie where yeah. it's so steampunkish. And I like my Gotham in the way where you're like, are we in the fifties or are we mm-hmm. in the future? Like, what is mm-hmm. this? What are we looking at? There's <laughs> blimps in the sky. Like I, I yeah. like all of that stuff where you're like, what is this like fictional city? And it looks like they're kind of going after that. in this one, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like Chicago anymore. It doesn't look like Pittsburgh anymore. Right. It looks like its own Gotham. It looks like a scary place. It looks like darkness and fucking grittiness and rain. And I like all of that. Love that. I Shout like- out Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, Timeless New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of, of Gotham being a place you don't want to live. Like the Nolan trilogy made it like, oh, well, there's crime, but like you'll get by like every city. Yeah. <laughs> has crime. Like I like the idea of this Gotham being like this is a last resort type place. You do not want to live here. But at the same time, there's something appealing about that steampunky nature. So, yeah, make Gotham a character. We talked about it earlier in this episode. Make Gotham like Wakanda is to Black Panther. Wakanda is very much a character in those movies. Make Gotham feel like a character in this movie. We have one final question here, and it's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about to wrap up this primer from Daria4404 on Instagram. Is there an after credit scene or at least something that sets up a future story? We do not know. We anticipate there one being, but I feel like it's now appropriate to give some predictions as to what we could get in a potential post-credit scene. Robbie, I'll go to you first. What are you looking for in a tease for a future sequel? So I feel like a lot of us know that there's Joker rumors out there. There's rumors that some people that are an unnamed Arkham prisoner might have a makeup artist by themselves, right? I hope that makeup artist is required because the post-credit scene will be like a zoom in on an Arkham cell, a little like slat opens and we see the Joker. And now I wasn't initially like, you should bring the Joker in this universe. I kind of felt like we got enough Joker, but there's the rumors there. So I'm going with what I think is going to happen with his face ripped off and put back on like in the uh, Snyder Capullo comics, the recent ones, that would be a hell of a twist to go with it. It was a recent Joker that I feel like a lot of people kind of liked. It kind of worked in the recent comics. So if you go with the Joker with his face ripped off and put back on together with a a leather strap, I'd like that. Freaking me out, man. (laughs) I'm already so nervous for this movie. Not because I think it's going to be bad. I just think it's going to be loud and intense. I'm going to be like this the entire time. I make a habit to put my hood over my head when I go to the movie theaters just because like you know, I want to be encapsulated in it. If I'm that focused and then they do that with a ripped off face <laughs> joker, like, I don't know. I if might people not like haven't it, seen it's... it, by the way, you got to look up like on Google images, what the Joker looks like. It's so creepy. And Greg Capolo is the artist and he, the way he drew it is so gritty and scary. And it, it's really cool. What's up? That's what we're going for. Um, my prediction, real quick. Um, it's nothing as exciting as that, but um, I think Alfred obviously is going to be an interesting character in this movie in respects to the secrets of the Waynes, right? Riddler is looking to shine a light on the dark history of the Waynes, is what I think is going to happen here. 
I think something gets resolved. I think we beat the Riddler here. I think that, you know, Batman feels a sense of comfort in that, you know, he was wrong or, you know, like, you know, I, I, I won. Now I can move forward, all that stuff. And then we see Alfred kind of slip into a concave of the Batcave and walk down a dark hallway with, uh, you know, f- uh, uh, torches lighting up the different hallway. And then we see just a court of owls um, reveal. You know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's, you know, he picks up one of the masks or maybe he walks into a room. And imagine it's like that Harry Potter uh, trial scene where there's like a oh, yeah. hundred people in a circle all with the mask on kind of thing. Like something really culty and creepy here at the end, I think, could be a really eerie way to set off an underlining story throughout, hopefully, the trilogy. You undersold that. That is a, as exciting as mine. <laughs> how to play baby undersell over deliver 750 an hour you can hire me to just talk into a microphone about batman <laughs> uh question question for you both are either of you familiar with the nickelodeon show house of anubis no that's no, not i i figured it'd be lost because it was only on for like two seasons and it was when they were trying to do like more serious storytelling on a children's channel house of anubis <laughs> dealt with like Egyptian gods and everything in modern day and there was like a secret society and they all had the hoods and masks and stuff like that. I know this is what? a Nickelodeon oh, wow. show. What year Crazy. are we talking? <laughs> uh, early, early 2010s. I watched this when gotcha. I was in elementary school. Gotcha. Bob, Fairly Odd Parents, Hey Arnold, like that's my An Egyptian cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you were painting that picture, I was getting House of Anubis vibes. Also, uh, Harry Potter, uh, Goblet of Fire vibes when like, you know, the Death Eaters show up and they all unmask. I don't think we would get I love all these else. Harry Potter references because I just watched the movies for the first time like a month ago. Nice. Oh, my God. What, I get them. Yeah. I finally get them. Yeah. They're very enjoyable. I was yes. never like, I know people are like, you're a nerd and you haven't seen Harry Potter. I was never into the kind of the Dungeons, Dragons, side, wizard side of nerdum. I was always into the space and technology sure. and alien side. So they kind of just slipped past me. I saw like the first one in theaters. I think maybe the second one in theaters, but I had never like sat down and watched them. But yeah, incredibly enjoyable franchise. I didn't think there was one movie that was like bad. Yeah, Liam, I'm sorry. I got to follow up. You know, I got to. Um, is it, My favorite thing about the Harry Potter series is that, like, you know, obviously the characters grow up throughout the series. Don't you feel like the tone also grows up with oh, the characters? totally. I mean, yeah, you could see it in, like, even the way the movies are shot by the end. They're exactly. so much darker. And the original ones, you could tell, are like Chris Columbus movies. They're family, mm-hmm. like, celebrating Christmas. And isn't this fun? The sorting hat. By the end, it's like people are dying all around us <laughs> we need to fucking change things yeah. death eaters are here yeah Shout out to in the office. Back and he wants to kill a child and <laughs> yeah. very again. Up. again that final movie was awesome my favorite one though was the third one because the time travel stuff in prisoner awesome. of azkaban was so well done i thought it was so cool some of the best time travel in and gary oldman like- come on Commissioner Gordon, we're speaking of the man himself right now. You can't beat him. You can't beat him. Yeah. Shout out Chicks in the Office at Barstow. I know you guys need some promotion, yep. so let me help you out. <laughs> uh, uh, they got Rhea watching them for the first time. It is hilarious what, listening yeah. to her watch through these for the first time. It's good stuff. It's always cool to grow up with a franchise, and I feel like we're starting with a new franchise this week with the Batman, which is really cool. My quick post-credit prediction, Barry Kogan as the Joker. I think it's going to happen. Um, I think all the stars are kind of aligning. And the more I look at just his face... Like, I think he's going to be a good Joker. I think he would be a good Joker. And Robbie, I love the idea of doing the the ripped off face version because it establishes this guy is experienced. Like, this isn't yep. his first rodeo. We immediately, we're diving into Batman. They very much emphasize this. He's a rookie, but he's year two. 
Like he's mm-hmm. he's been doing this for a little bit. We've got the origin done so much, and we just recently got a Joker origin movie. So rather than retelling that story or even starting him off as a new threat, have him be established. He's been doing dangerous stuff in Gotham for a long time, and now he's already like halfway through. That could be very cool. And he's so um, different too. It'd be a different take, right? Like we've seen so many Joker takes. Let's go wild with everyone. Let's go. And even like, I know people friggin' hate the Jared Leto Joker. And I don't like him in the Snyder cut when he's like, I'll give you a reach around Batman. I'm like, oh my God, what are we talking about here? But the <laughs> idea man. of the Joker as this like gangster nightclub owner in Gotham, I don't hate that. I, I The idea of it, I'm like, yeah, go for that. Let's see him drive a purple Ferrari. Like that sounds cool to me. The, yeah. the execution wasn't maybe there with the damage tattoo and whatnot, but like <laughs> the idea of making a complete different Joker, clown prince of crime, kind of that one. I liked. I like yeah. it a lot I, too. I'm Liam. also for the idea of a short haired Joker again, because they've done yeah. the long hair with, with Joaquin Phoenix. They just did it with Jared Leto and the long ish hair is like Heath Ledger's prerogative. Like that exactly. makes him feel cool. The animated series does a cool job. Uh, the Harley Quinn animated series does a cool job of giving Joker a little fade. Give Joker yeah. a little fade. Give him <laughs> yeah. some moss on the top. I think it could be fun. Alan Maybe. Tudyk does a great Joker in that animated series. He's so good. I was just talking about Alan Tudyk last night. They had Rogue One on in that uh, pool bar. I was watching AEW. It, <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, yeah. It was on right before AEW because I saw exactly. Tony Khan tweeting like, Vader's slicing up Rebels right now. Tune into Rampage <laughs> up next. What a great pitch there by Tony <laughs> Khan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Liam with the short hair, maybe have him like going at his hair a lot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe that's one of his out, character like, takes. Yeah. Like just always kind of touching his hair, making it crazy. I think that could be cool. I do have a question for you, Liam. Barry Kogan, Joker. Does he have a Scottish accent? Is it as sexy as it was in Eternals? Oh, I don't. I don't think he has a accent like a European accent. I think it's a, a Joker voice per se. But. I'm yeah. gonna miss it'd be, Scottish. It'd be interesting if he was, yeah, if he was Scottish. That'd be yeah, crazy. from across the pond. Yeah, Joker. Yeah. Joker already conquered the UK. He's coming to Gotham now. <laughs> he's he's yeah. going to escape. Jack the yeah. Ripper, actually Joker the Ripper. Joker Nobody the Ripper. laughed at his set at the the uh, Glasgow Fringe Fest, so he came over to Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got we, shit on his list. <laughs> I think we just uh, wrote the post credit uh, scene right there. So Matt yeah, Matt Reeves, Reeves you know, give us a call. Yeah, let us know. We, like, we still got time. We got a yeah. week. Yeah. That's our Joker, not our Joker primer, excuse me, our Batman primer. We're so focused on the Joker. If we don't get him in this movie, <laughs> I might be a little let That'll down. be the biggest shock ever. <laughs> that would be absolutely <laughs> insane. The Batman comes out in theaters this Friday, March 4th. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we don't even need to give you the platform to plug, but where can people find you? What's My Mom's Basement got going on this week? Yeah, my mom's basement. We're doing Batman stuff too. We'll probably do a little Batman preview with our guy Jose Youngs, who's like a comic book like encyclopedia. This guy, you could be like, tell me about Batman. He'll tell you about Batman for the next three hours. He's like got so much knowledge in his brain. We'll do a recap and stuff. My mom's basement on YouTube. That's that's the easiest way to support. Maybe maybe after this movie, we got three hours of Batman covered our way, guys. Maybe we yep. get Bob and Clem on for a little Batman moments draft. Yeah, there we go. There we oh, go. man, I know Clem would be in too. I know. Yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> I love, that, I love guy. that. Well, hey, this is our first episode of a bunch of episodes we're releasing this week. Batman Primer in your podcast feeds right now on Wednesday, our weekly episode, breaking down all the top news and a fun feature segment on Friday, our Batman review. Long time coming. The first <laughs> practice episode of the direct podcast before we got live, we covered DC fandom and the first trailer in August of 2020. And here we are. We've arrived. We are vengeance. We'll see you next time.